0: every team every topic everywhere this is believe
1: hey everyone on this episode of six degrees with mike mckenna i'm joined by samson we got to be friends in portland a couple years ago when i walked up to the bus and saw our driver and it was samson and it turned out he was one of the most interesting people i've ever met in my life he's lived all over the world uh he's he's a veteran he's a stand-up comedian he's a father he is a college graduate, he is a lot of things, and he is one of the most interesting people you will ever talk to, funny as hell. And full disclaimer, uh, this is a really explicit podcast. I vowed that I'll never censor them, and I'm upholding that with this one, so be ready. It's raunchy at times, but have fun. Samson. So three, four years ago, in Portland, Maine, this guy comes up, he's driving the bus, he's a comedian, <laughs> he says, I no way, It's like, yeah. I'm like, we got to know more about this guy. So we struck <laughs> up a conversation. We got to be good buddies. Now we're sitting in a hotel room in New Jersey. By chance, we happen to be less than a mile away from each other. So, Samson, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank
0: you very much for having me. It's good to see you, Mike. You, uh, yes, sir. You've been grinding on the road here for a little bit the last week. I have. I have. I've got the uh, one of the new ECHL teams that's up in... Um Portland that took over and replaced the uh, Portland Pirates that we had, and uh, we we're on the road uh, about a five uh, five uh, area trip, five city
1: trip, should I say? So uh, yeah, making it do what it do. You know how I do, baby, all the time. Yes, sir. always have. Yes, sir. How did you end up being a bus driver in the first place? Because to uh, me, you've got such an interesting story, and this is just kind of the end cap of it. It seems like this is the end cap of it. Uh, so after
0: I retired from the Marine Corps, and fr- um, first off, how long did you spend it? I spent 20 years in the Corps. That's right. Yeah. So I spent 20. Years in the Corps after I got out of the Marine Corps, saw the I, world. Yeah, I seen all over. I've been all over the world. Um, I got out and I decided, hell, you know what? I want to go ahead and uh, become a truck driver. I just wanted to get away from the, all the, the misery and the shit that I had seen in uh, in the military. I just wanted to let my mind basically reset. So I went to tractor trailer school and I started driving trucks and everything. And um, driving. So you did eighteen wheelers. I did eighteen wheelers, and uh, my company was based out of Atlanta. So kind of a funny story. I'm in Atlanta, and while I'm driving truck, and I go to um, this uh, go to a mall, and uh, I'm just talking. So there was a comedy thing going on or something, and I asked someone, "How the fuck do I get into the comedy? How do you get into this shit? And I've been a fucking crazy sucker, son of a bitch all my life. <laughs> I want to do this on stage. So they told me what I needed to do. Did me- you ever done any like routines? I, I heard- had. i had never done anything. So you just wh- knew that. This This was your destiny. This was was my destiny. I had made people laugh before and everything. So, and people said... Can you ever be fucking serious, even though I was in the Marine Corps? Can you be fucking serious? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, no, I don't have a serious bone in my body. So they told me, you know, I got to practice in front of the mirror and everything. And they had some famous people that I was able to meet up with and their manager. And this is and, back uh, in Atlanta? When this first is back in right? Atlanta. Because you're from Atlanta originally, I Exactly. Mean, right. Came up from Atlanta. And um, so I, I sat down and I did my set. Um, I did um, I probably about a 15, 20-minute set. They were rolling. They were rolling. So you they killed said, it first time out. They, I killed it the first time out. Because um, I was told, you know, dude, give it a 45 minute set practice in front of a mirror, and I had like a month, two months to practice. I'm on the road driving my truck, rehearsing my shit, you know, driving this shit. So I come back and we had this pre, uh, pre-date uh, made up. So I went and uh, we sat down, I did it, and uh, I was signed right then. I was told, you can go ahead and come on. I mean, I never made it big or anything, um, but I got a chance to did some uh, BET Comic View uh, sites, uh, seen Steve Harvey, and I worked with several people there. And I got a chance with that. Uh, some people made it so I could do some movies. So I've done some movies. So I've uh, got a chance to do quite a bit. And uh, so, how I ended up in Maine, and uh, so I, I drove trucks for several years. And um, I was doing a gig up in Maine, and I met this female. Okay, hmm. long story. You know, hmm. it's always got to be a female. Something. In there. yeah. So yeah. I met this female, and she's like, uh, you know, come up and visit. I come up there, and she wasn't my flavor. Okay. Um, at the same time, I said, "Hey, I could do a comedy bit up there because they had the comedy connection in Portland." So I arranged with someone so I could go to the comedy connection. Wait, what time of the year was this? This was in I want to say in the summertime.
1: It okay. was the midsummer. So it wasn't minus thirty yet.
0: No, no, no. Okay, no, no. Nigga didn't know about that at all yet. No, no. Uh,
1: no. So we're still, we're still like, yeah, warm. we still, we're still kind of Yeah, we still, yeah, we
0: still, yeah, yeah. The facade was out there, yeah. So. I go to the comedy connection and she and I didn't hit it off, but she had a friend. Well, I was like, okay, I'm done with Maine. I'm I'm gonna leave Maine. And I don't want to come back up here. Well, I had one more load. I came up again. I did a comedy connection again. Met her friend, and she, they all invited me to the house. Talked to the friend and everything. You and had an after party. I that's kind of fun. yeah. I met I, I met a groupie. <laughs> <laughs> so we went back to uh, old girl's place, and uh, I've been with this young lady ever since. And that was ten years ago, and now you're so, you're outside of Portland now, right? Yeah, Where I live in I live in a, a, in a Auburn, Maine. I ended up buying a house up there, bought a trailer, got a pickup truck. Yeah, shit, I don't got a yeah, I got a little Maine five. Yeah, I got a
1: snowblower. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Did you so, pull that out a year or two ago? Deb? I, my didn't first you? one I did Because yeah. I didn't know yeah. how to work it right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have many of those in Atlanta,
0: right? No, they don't have to. You don't find very, very many black people working snowblowers So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I ended up coming up there And, uh, yeah, the first winter up there kind of kicked my ass Yeah, as a matter of fact, I had a big snow blizzard uh, I think it was in January. It was kind of kind of mild. I said, like, "Oh, I can deal with this. This is this fine. is cool." January came and they had a huge blizzard. And uh, I learned real quick that this is not really for a tropical man like me. Yeah. You know, I'm tropical. You know, you know, <laughs> I like to do that tropical shit. You know, fish shit, this shit. You know, <laughs> Mardi Gras. You know, we don't have no shit like that up in Maine. So you got you uh, got
1: snowmobiles. You got snow. Yeah, I haven't been to snowmobiling, cross country skiing, I ski- haven't skating. been that's white folks stuff I can't I ain't (laughs) ain't done it so you you've been driving the bus though now for like five six years with hockey teams (laughs) right and we've taught man you would have been a killer on skates though yeah I I missed my calling. uh as I alluded to earlier you know because you're super into the sport now I oh I
0: love it oh I love oh I love watching hockey if I if I don't get a chance to watch the guys um actually play then I'm listening to it on the radio but I love watching it uh I the guy, you know, me, me being a Marine and watching these guys go out there and they're killing it and they the test the fortitude to get out there, keep going, going up and down that rink and everything. That's the kind of shit I like, you know. I mean, yeah, granted, and I know football players are going to hate me right now, but Hey, you know, you go out there for a play, you run hard, you back on the bench. You know these guys got forty-five right. seconds on the bench and they're back off the bench. I mean, they just got enough to sit there and say, ah, and then <laughs> back out there. So you know, you gotta appreciate what what hockey players do. And I just wish it was something that was introduced to me as a young kid, because I wouldn't really would have
1: gotten into it. For yeah, because sure. I mean, you were so, you were a football guy growing I was, up. I was. Right? I played I mean, fullback. Yes. Let's face so, it, like you're not a weak person. I'm looking no, at you right now. No. You can probably still bench press a Volkswagen. <laughs> well,
0: I, not the maybe the engine but not the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah, I try to stay in shape. I got a little bit of good. I like to eat a little bit. So, you know, I got to get my little alcohol on. I'm yeah. out island iced tea. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, it? your preferred yeah. drink. Oh, yeah. that's my
1: preferred drink. Oh, I love to make it do what it do. We with had time. a good night in Wilkesbury a couple years ago, didn't we? <laughs>
0: yes, we did. Oh, yes. Uh, you decided to take me to a sushi place. And that's another thing I don't do. You know, I have never had sushi. Now, I lived in Okinawa, Japan, and all that kind of stuff. The only thing I've ever had that was kind of out of place of me eating my soul food was I had squid when I was in Okinawa I, like I had, I had yeah. to try it once but uh, you got me into this uh, into this sushi place and not only did it he was just sit me though. it was
1: it me was, it was five of us we had uh, me Senna Akalazi Rob Flick that's right and And someone else yeah I can't remember who the other person uh, was
0: but yeah and and Akalaxi had been into a sushi and Flick they're all sushi eaters I'm the only one that's kind of you know I was like okay can I get a steak you know and um, they they did it for um, you medium well yeah yeah but um, uh, Mike decided he ordered all these different platters of uh, sushi he's like Samson Gotta try this. Come on, and I ended up did. Uh, you were man. You did. Yeah. I, yeah well, have you, you been done? back since? I have not.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> I think about it sometimes. Whenever I see a sushi place, when you're feeling you come exotic, yeah, you got go to go Yeah, you come to mind. But we, I, we had a really deep conversation there about how you got your job being a bus driver, though, with uh, just with the coach driving, not with right. the eighteen wheelers, right, right. And maybe you can tell a story about how you got the job in the first place, though, and why why you were so elite in the in the eyes of the uh, bus company.
0: Well, um, well, it's kind of funny, and I'm, I'm, I don't remember what exactly what we talked about. Well, when I well, went- you
1: were about five Long Islands deep at that point, so. <laughs> yeah, when I was telling the story, so. we weren't leaving until like noon the next day, <laughs> so, mind yeah, you. Here, so, yeah, because yeah. we were off the next day. Yeah, so I because mean, yeah, we you're to you're go. bottled a throttle. You had a <laughs> solid twenty hours. Here, right. So yeah, we
0: were good. But. So, but um, I went to the company. Um, I had left the um, um, the. Bus the trucking company, and for just a minute, I was driving school buses in the city of Lewiston, Maine. Just for a minute, come on. Yes, I drove school buses, and they. Oh, and uh, if, if I may allude to and kind of. I deviated, never knew this. Oh yeah. Yeah. So by all means. I get to this. I didn't have the license for the. I had my my uh, bu- um, my bus license, but I did not have the school passenger endorsement. So I finally got that when I was with them, and they gave me a um. A matter of fact, a rough area. It's called Strawberry Area, if anyone knows this area in Lewiston, Maine. And it's where a lot of Somalis and it's a little, a little bit of a lower income area. And they have to have um, what they call um, um, advisors or um, uh, an aide on the bus. You know to help people sit out and right. everything. So that's,
1: it's actually a pretty big refugee area, right? It, it is. It right. is,
0: and the kids are really bad, and you know screaming and hollering, bouncing around. Kids get written up on chips and stuff like that. So I get this job, and this is what they give me. And uh, so I ride the very first day, and I see what's happening. Next day, I'm like. This shit ain't happening no more. (laughs) This shit ain't happening no more. So all the kids got on the bus, and they already started military samson. And I had already told them, I don't need an aid. There will be no aid on this bus today. And they're screaming and hollering. I stopped the bus, and I told them, I said, you will sit your butts down. And that's what I did use. I made mean, it kind of accidentally slip. But there was a camera in the bus. I got to watch what I'm saying. You will sit down. <laughs> I'm driving this bus. We're not going to have an aide. I took the chits. I let them see the chit, and I ripped them up. I said, the way you treat me is the way you'll be treated. You treat me with respect, I'll treat you with respect. So we went to school, dropped them off. When I went back to pick them up, the was used to coming out and blowing a whistle to shutting them up. And she came on to shoot. Too. Oh, I told her. Because kids respond to a yeah. whistle I said, ho, 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 ho. I said, please, no whistle. Yeah. Shut that. What the hell are you? I said, no whistle, please. Got on the bus. I said, and I stood up. snapped my finger. Have a seat. Nothing. they quiet. She looked at me like, How the hell? did you do that? Spent 20 years said, in the Marines, right. lady. I said, i make it do what it do. Yeah. <laughs> and she said, are you going to, be this is only like uh, February, I believe. And she said, you're going to be here the whole school season. I'm going to be here the rest of the school season. And uh, she said, oh, this is awesome. I was with her probably about a month because I found out about the bus job and I went to the bus company yeah. and, um, I went in there. They wanted to give me another damn uh, bus job. I'm like, no, 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 no. i a school bus job I said, no, 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 no. Well, you had a for, reputation as being yeah, the best school driver. I'm here you for, had a week
1: on the job no, and you're already Already up the there. Bring yeah, him I want yeah. this job. He's the He's like the wolf in uh, Pulp Fiction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: I'm the wolf on Wall Street. Goddamn it. You know what I'm saying? So I went in there, and uh, so they gave me a, um, they gave me a driver's test, and the guy who gave me a driver's test, he says, this guy's good. He said, yeah, yeah. For sure. And uh, walked in the door, got it right off the bat. They gave me shit, many old jobs at first, but now I'm the head driver. I'm the driver of the year, been sent to Fort Lauderdale to make it do what it do, to represent, um, I'd say 28, because there was 28 drivers out of 10,000 drivers that could have been picked around the nation from California to Maine. And 28 of us were picked because of our skills and what we did and a big competition down in Fort uh, Fort Lauderdale, so I made it do what it do and represent. It. So here I am, making it do what it do. And they grade you on how smooth of a driver <laughs> oh, you they, are. They grade you on how, how you drive the bus, how you maneuver, and all that kind of stuff. But you know, I don't need I don't need nobody out there to uh, to test me. I got my uh, my clients to get on the bus. Well, and, we're all we'll yeah. all
1: vouch for you. Yeah. But it. that's that's what, that's the best part of that story yeah. to me, though. Is we're all sitting there and you told us you are like, yep, I got in with the guy, took him for a ride, and he said. That's the smoothest ride I've ever ever had. had. (laughs) And then Senna in the background just sits up and goes, it's a good thing you're smooth because you sure as fuck aren't winning any races. Yeah. You know, it's funny with that
0: though. I can't, I'm not going to say the coach's name, but I also drive for the Portland Sea Dogs, and that's a licensed name. But I hope that's all good to go. Oh, yeah. but I have a base- a, thats the baseball team. That's up the up baseball there, team. The, the, team, the Red, Red Sox, and Red Sox yep. yes. And I have a uh, coach on there, uh, black one of the black coaches on there. Matter of fact, uh, uh, only black coach on the. Day, but he says he's always Samson. Can you make this fucking bus go? Fucking <laughs> fast? I'm like, look. I can only go max 68 miles an hour. That's it. He's like, God damn, you about the slowest. So, between him and Oxy, yeah, I guess I go kind of slow for the brother. But you haven't touched a Rumble Strip in 10 years. I yet. have not touched a Rumble Strip, no. I do know someone who does, but I don't touch a Rumble well, Strip. Well, there's
1: guys that drive those buses, man. We had one guy when I was in Vegas, we called him Rumble Strip Joe. And this, <laughs> this, this fucking guy had like. He was in the circus to start with. Like, legit. He was like a lion tamer or something. I don't know. He was one of the animal caretakers. And he had, like, elephants tattooed on his arms and weird stuff. And this guy just... Hit every rumble strip between Vegas and Bakersfield, right. and we're like, this guy's got to go. And Rumble Strip Joe lasted a month. You know what I right, mean? Right, right. Like, so yeah, I'll take somebody who's smooth, right. gets us there, no worries. But you got a, you got a dark side though too, man. Like I remember we were in Bridgeport, some guy cut you off. Oh, oh, and your oh. wires, your wires. Yeah, tarch, yeah. Man. I
0: don't, I don't. Yeah, I like respect on the road. I like respect from when I'm not in the seat, and I like respect when I'm in the seat. Don't fucking get in front of me. Don't cut me, off. Don't do no bullshit. I ain't got no time for no bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Let me drive my shit. you going to get in front of me. Fuck it. I'll run your ass over. You know, fuck it. Because I'm big. I, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? You, you want to walk? You want to step out off the sidewalk and walk? Fine. Boom, boom. Hey, Coach, did you say I almost because right? <laughs> You know, so yeah. I, 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 yeah, I You've hit, you hit the a horn a few times. I have. I have. I think you probably remember the one time we were in, um, we were stopping in Charlton. Uh, service plaza, and there was a tractor trailer uh, on the the on-ramp, he was backing up, and I stopped the bus, got out, and chewed him out, and he moved that bus out of that truck fast as hell. I'm going to play that. You're you're supposed to be a professional. Draw your shit like a professional. Make it do what it do. So, yeah,
1: I I lose my patience. That Marine Corps comes out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you see that, too. Like, And we've talked about this about other things, too, how you're... When you're in the Marines or in the military, you've got that, there's a sense of leadership, respect, all the other things that come into play. And like, you're super outgoing, funny guy, but when it comes time to turn things serious, in a hurry, it's like flip a switch. This is my job, this is what I do. Exactly. And I'm curious though, like, being around hockey teams, baseball Mm -hmm. teams, do you see a lot of similarity in sports that you you had in the military? Yeah, I
0: do. You know, the guys, they know when it's time to turn it on. And you know, first of all, let me say, that there's, there's a time and place for everything, so the guys know how to turn it on and do what they're supposed to do when they get when they it's time to go to the rink or go to the baseball field and play, you know, they get in that set zone. And then, you know, I, I don't want to run my mouth to them because I know they're trying to concentrate on their game, so you know. They go out there, they get set, they do their thing, and when they get off the field, it's time to party. You know what I'm saying? We go out and party. You know, find the, well, I can't say find the ladies. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, they go out some there. The boys have, can, right? yeah, some of the boys can, right? Yeah, some the boys can, yeah. I got that ring on the fingers. Yes, I got, you do. Yes, I do. <laughs> you I don't any, want nobody to think I'm out there messing around on the wife. you have some no, kids. I do. I, I do have kids. I have three kids. I have uh, my daughter who's in Houston, Texas now. Uh she was in San Antonio when we first met. She's a school teacher. I have a son who's in Salt Lake City, Utah, who is a computer engineer, and I have an uh a third child who also has a degree and I'm sorry, I don't know exactly what she got a degree in, but she's a professional tattoo artist and um a model. So so I, all my kids are professionals and, and you got to be a, proud a, of it. I mean I that's, am honestly very that's got to be
1: a great feeling for me yes. as a young father mm. for you to see all three of your kids be successful. Yes. Go on, be, you know, go through education. Yeah, I mean, how's it's, that? How's that feel for uh, you? It's it's wonderful. I mean, my kids
0: still. Uh, my son, uh, he calls me up. He still says, "Sir, uh, uh, no, sir, what have you? Uh, yes, dad." You know, gives me that uh, that. Straight out, respected my daughter. Daughters do the same thing, so it lets me know that I did a good thing, and my ex-wife did a good thing uh, raising our kids. Uh, never been in trouble, and we still get that respect from them. So, yeah. Think you're a tough. Think you're a tough father. Um, I was a fair father. I was a fair father. Cotton candy. Uh, cotton candy for sure yeah <laughs> yes <laughs> yes if i may let me talk about my daughter for just my oldest daughter um we lived uh on a military base and uh, lived in military housing and um I t- i'm trying to where get, were you right now know at this where? time
1: because you've lived all over so i've lived all were you over this time?
0: i was in Maine at this time okay yeah uh lived up in uh up at loring air force base for just a short, uh, short bit it was uh TDY um, bit for like two years, but uh, I didn't stay there the whole time. But then that's a whole nother story. Anyways, we we're in base housing, and um, so what happened was I told my daughter to go upstairs and clean up, clean up her room. And I went back up out two hours later, and she had not cleaned up her room, but she did take her crayons out and decided to draw on the
1: freaking walls. Been there before. She just... Yeah.
0: <laughs> what the hell got into her? She just got the just <laughs> You
1: just walk in and you go, No! What are Why? you doing? Why are
0: you doing this to She us? looked at me yeah. with the cutest face with tears in her eyes because she knew she had fucked
1: up. And
0: she said, <laughs> Drawing... <laughs> drawing on paper not on the walls
1: is this your tattoo artist daughter no 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 this is my school teacher for future <laughs> down the road oh okay <laughs>
0: this is my school teacher okay uh, daughter and uh yeah so yeah I mean I think that time she got a butt whooping cause I was I'm old school right yeah I mean I did the old you know I grew up in the 60s where we got our asses whooped by you know switch uh, go out and get your switch and uh, take off them pants cause I didn't buy them pants to doggone hit on you know so you go out you get your switch crying and you come back with that switch and you leaned over the chair and your mama put her back or her her knee into your back and she whooped your ass and she also talked to you while she was whooping your ass (laughs)
1: telling you what you did
0: didn't I tell your little black ass not to (laughs) the whole time you kicking and wailing and (laughs) screaming but I never I never was that uh, that uh, rough with my daughters or my kids but they knew that they messed up and it was at the point I think by the time they were six and seven years old, that I didn't have to say anything. You know, I could give them that look. I could say their name, three. You know, or call my my son's name, or whatever, or snap my finger, and they knew. They then daddy's not right. playing. I I I don't want to have to go there with daddy. Daddy, daddy, he's he, he seems like he's in a good mood right now.
1: <laughs> did you did you come from a big family yourself? I did. I did. I, matter of fact, I'm the youngest of thirteen. I mean, I'm an only child. Uh, and you I got 12 siblings. Yes. Yeah. I'm the youngest of 13. How, I mean, how'd you eat? Did you just, you have to run over um, everybody to get to the table? No,
0: there was no running over. You guarded your food like this. Yeah, It's like people yeah. trying to stick their fork in there. But it was a funny thing about eating. If you didn't not because there are some things we just didn't like. Yeah. If you didn't eat everything on your plate, you did not leave that table till you ate. Yeah. So, you know, everybody else is laughing and everything. I kinda learned after a while you kinda wait till mama's not around and take it to the bathroom or <laughs> give it to
1: the dog and stuff. But I mean with yeah, that with that yeah. big of a family where you yeah. Did you have a big house where you... We, uh, you know... How you know, many uh, kids do a room, really? Like, that's a huge amount well, of kids. You, you didn't no, live in a 15-room 15 15 no, mansion, no, you know what I mean? Like No, we didn't. Uh, right.
0: Most... A lot of the siblings had were kind of older by the time I came around. Okay. But um, I think I want to say there was at least uh, five or six of us in the house at the time. And it was uh, one, two, three, four... There were five bedrooms in the house. Yeah. I mean, it was a smaller house. It's in Detroit. But, it's you know, um, from our means, Mama and Daddy made it do what it do. Yeah. You know, so uh, my dad was uh, in the military itself um, at the time. Um, he passed away in 1970. My oldest brother... Um, he went into the Army. Um, and like I said, we had other siblings that weren't at the house. But, but yeah, we, we made it do what it do. We were a happy, loving family. There's a lot of discipline in the family. Yes, uh, yes, sir, no sir. But at the same time, it was a very loving family, so. Well,
1: I mean, being so. that, that big of a family mm-hmm. and you know, losing your father mm-hmm. at a relatively you young, know, age, young yeah. age like that, you must have had to rely on each other a lot, I'd we imagine, did. right? We did, we um, did. Did that bring you closer as a family? It,
0: it did. I, To a point, you know, me being young, you know, I really didn't see no difference. But um, my mom passed away when I was 12 and 78. And I went to live with my brother, who was in Germany at the time. He was stationed in Kaiser Slaughter, and I went to Kaiserslautern American Junior High School at the time. Good pronunciation, and, by the way. Well, I can see I'm in Deutschland. Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is another dimension you're yeah, yeah, This yeah, is Spanish great. So I mean, awesome. I don't, you know,
1: I don't speak Spanish, no.
0: so <laughs> I don't speak Spanish. I don't. And, <laughs> <laughs> Espanol, Espanol, yeah, so in Deutsch. Yeah, you're but, German. Uh, that's good, man. So, but yeah, so I um, I went to Germany and uh, finished. Um, junior high school, went to two years of high school there, and from there uh, with my brother went to Fort McClellan, and my brother is my rock, he's retired command sergeant major in the army, the highest you can go uh, without being the command sergeant major of the army, so, um... He's my rock, he's my guy, he's uh, working on his Ph.D., so with uh, he, he, my example, I graduated from high school, went straight to college because of him, because he put the, he put the rears in my butt. Uh, if the grades weren't up, I didn't go out, and I was in band, I was a band person, I majored in music in college. I was a um, music person, I always wanted to go on our trips, and if the grades weren't up, you were not go nowhere. What would you so, play in the band? Trombone. The trombone, yeah, trombone. Yes. See, you had, there's so many layers of the onion.
1: Yeah, yeah, oh can yeah. Can you still blow on that
0: thing? Oh, well, my
1: my embouchure is not
0: like it used to be. nor okay. is my diaphragm like okay. it used to be. <laughs> but uh, um, I probably can
1: pick up an action and make it do what it do. So. Samson, I'm gonna, yeah. somewhere down the road here. Yeah. So. You're gonna have somebody you're driving around on one of these hockey teams, so, uh. and I'm gonna find a way to get the trombone in your hands. Okay. <laughs> Well, I mean, I gotta get—I gotta get somebody. You know, we got a mutual friend here, right? Okay, that's not you a know, problem. Riley Armstrong, head coach of this club's mutual friend. That's not a problem. I man. bet he could somehow make this happen. <laughs> Surprise! You. Have, a, have a little something going on. Surprise you with the here. trombone. That's not a problem. Bring so out, bring I out make, the recording. So I make yeah. you
0: do what to do. Um, so yeah, so when I first went in the Marine Corps, I've done. I had other jobs. My, my primary job when I first went in was. Uh, and I'm showing you my ring right here. If you look at it right there, it says United States Marine Corps drum and bugle corps. bugle corps. Yeah, and that's uh, out of Washington DC. Uh, 8th and 9th Marine Corps that's Commandant's own the uh, president's own is the Marine Corps band, which was um was also under the direction of John Philip Sousa, if most people will know who that Sousaphone. is. Sousaphone. Yes. So, so I'll give
1: you a quick story. The sousaphone's a big huge yes. instrument that looks like kind of like a big white tuba, right? Yes, right. Well, when I played college hockey, the band in well a couple of places actually more or less could be accessed by pucks and warm-ups uh-huh. uh, they didn't have netting in front of the bands and i think it was rpi Colgate, <laughs> maybe so the boys would be flipping pucks at the sousaphone <laughs> trying to get, to get a, a puck to the- land <laughs> in the sousaphone yeah how awesome is that yeah yeah
0: and hey, you don't even see those people you but know, how awesome no. is that the white ones so yeah i mean I a little sidetrack there but that was like yeah. a big
1: it was like a basketball hoop for pucks right, yeah. right. guys are just flipping pucks so at you say you play no, I, was, oh, I didn't oh, play. I'm okay. just going flip pucks um, at him, but I didn't I, play. I was going to say, wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing to see? My, uh, I'll tell you, sit I'll on tell the you floor? what, I played I played, I played. played the cello for about three years.
0: Okay, okay. Not I very proficient. Is, okay. But a
1: little bit. Yeah. Uh, and I tried to learn how to play guitar. I can make okay. a lot of noise. Right. Uh, but I can't play many
0: notes. I can see you playing the guitar, but a cello, it's interesting. Can, you
1: know, I can get the look. I can okay. get the, the jeans and the, maybe the jeans, It's the, the leather jacket, you right. know, like that heavy metal okay. look, like the Judas Priest 80s look. I could go for that. Okay, all right. But no, I'm terrible musician. Oh, I'm sure I'm half the practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. I, trust me, I've done a lot of practicing, so yeah. a lot of
0: practice. So did it take? You know.
1: Did it take you a lot of practice before you got comfortable on stage being a comic, or did you just like snap into it? it
0: no, actually, hey, let's say
1: until maybe your routine was like refined. You know,
0: um, it's it's always nerve wracking when you go on stage. Uh, if you're not nervous, then something's wrong. Sounds like um, being a goalie. Yeah. You're nervous when you go out there. Because one, you don't want to be booed off. And you don't know what type of crowd you have when you go out there. If, you, if the crowd's already predetermined because it's a special event, then you kind of know what kind of crowd you have. But if you're just going out there, and this could be anybody out there, some people may not like your jokes. And I'm the type of person where if I see people that aren't really engaged in my comedy it makes me kind of think do i need to brush up do i need to kind of switch stuff like that that's kind of why i kind of like the lights in my eyes cuz you can't really see everybody so you you know not really um, care you know what people think but yeah it took me a while and sometimes yeah i still get on stage when i do i haven't done comedy in a while now but when i do get on stage yeah i have a little bit of jitters but it takes a while you got to warm up especially if you got a long set if you're the headliner you know you got so maybe 45 to an hour long it's a long and time yeah so you know i mean it really it's one ahead. it's
1: really one-on-one that's what people don't it, realize yeah, right like it, is. it may be an entire audience mm-hmm. but it's still you right. and the audience and the audiences as a whole exactly right? exactly and you if, you
0: know you tell those jokes and sometimes if you're hearing crickets you don't know if you got them and you got to stay on point and keep telling you jokes because once they get the punchline that's when people get it but I tell you where it's rough at sometimes, Maine. Because, you know, I go and talk about jobs and I start talking about my sandwiches, <laughs> you know, from the, the shit that I talk about down south, and people are like, the fuck is a sandwich? They don't you get know, it, They right? don't get it, they yeah. don't get it. They've so. never
1: had a bite of catfish in their life.
0: It's, you know, exactly. Right, yeah. you know, <laughs> they've never had a big mean, fish feel like, fry. I feel you know? like
1: I'm almost like pseudo-southern from St. Louis, which is so, funny, man, because growing up there, I would have never in a million years thought of myself as southern in right. any way. And now that I've played with all these hockey guys that are from up north are like, oh, you southern guys. And I'm like, no, I'm from (laughs) St. Louis. Like, we're Midwest. Right. But then I realized, like, especially as I've gotten into food as I've gotten older that we do have a huge amount of southern influence, right? Right. Right. Like, I love fried catfish. Right. I love... Barbecue, I love all every Southern right. staple you can think well, of. Uh, I'm way into. I yeah. love that stuff, and it's it's still reflected in. Well, you got the Mississippi
0: cuisine. River right there, so yeah, for sure. I mean, you're you're part of the site if you could, if you can put Mississippi in part of your word I'm going to
1: the Mississippi River. Nigga, you southern. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what yeah. I'm saying you southern. <laughs> so, if you could take but, one, if you could take <clears> one food from your childhood mm, and have it right now, my mom's barbecue ribs. How'd she do them? Oh
0: I'm, I'm, my! Well, first of I'm all, it, it, by, was I, really? it was venison. Really, venison. Because my dad was an avid hunter, so we had a, a big deep freezer. And every Fourth of July, they would have a big huge because we had a second home in northern Michigan a place called Ottawa, Michigan and um, you're the most traveled man alive <laughs> you are you really are but well, I can tell you a lot about Ottawa though but uh, that's uh, it, it was a resource for black people and they came from St. Louis and all over that was a place for them to get away from uh, Jim Crow South and stuff like that yeah. so a
1: lot of people will know that, oh, that place St. is yeah St. Louis so, had that as bad as anywhere yeah, exactly. our city still so, incredibly racially divided right, which is a sore is. spot well, for all of us it's a spot
0: a lot of places so yeah But uh, so she would have that meat marinated. She made her own special sauce, barbecue sauce. She made her own sauce. Everything was from scratch about this. And she had this (laughs) nice brick grill out there. She would go because the party would probably start maybe two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Probably end like two o'clock in the morning or something like that. And she would put that shit on the grill. And she'd have like maybe like ten slabs of ribs. And she. She'd be yelling at she go get the she had the coals and, you know, did the colds. My mama had a routine. So she had them um, on there for... I'm going to see them salivating right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> so she'd have yeah. them on for oh, 8, 10, 12 Oh yeah, hours, like, oh yeah. Just yeah, and they never got off. So my mom oh, didn't do none of this, boil your chicken, boil your meat, nothing like that. No, no you no, just lose flavor. No, that's right, she put that shit on the grill... And she cooked this shit out of that shit. So, yes. So you See. guys,
1: I mean, with your dad being an avid hunter, then you had a ton of meat around like that. We, we had meat. Yeah, we, no, awesome.
0: we never had. Uh, we never had moose. I don't know. Yeah. First time I had moose was up in Maine. So, but um, we, um, yeah, we had lots of food. Uh, we had duck. My dad was a big. I want to say it was a quail. I, I want to say it was quail honey, that uh, he had. My mind is going. I'm trying to make sure it was quail. But yeah, we uh, he did a lot of. No, I did. I stand corrected. It was pheasant. Pheasant hunting. Sure pheasant hunting. And I, to this day, couldn't tell you what a pheasant looks like. <laughs> but I know he went do, doing a lot of pheasant hunting. So, did Michigan. you
1: catch the bug too? Did you do a lot of hunting? Or still, I, at not, all or I no? did not
0: do a lot of hunting. Um, no. Um, you reap the like benefits said, of it, though. My mom's ribs sound unbelievable oh, to me. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> I remember my, my mom using our gri- on my swing to uh, clean up. Um, a uh, deer one, field
1: dress one, hanging yes, from the yes, swings, like swing the old set. aluminum swing yes, sets. Yes, yes. Did, no. it have a, did it have a slide on it? It did. Did you, did you use wax paper to get it going? <laughs> no, car, you no, know no, that no, trick? no, no. No, man. When I was a kid, we, we'd hit it with the wax paper, <laughs> right? And kids would just go flying off the end of that. Thing. Right. Those things were dangerous. Oh yeah, for
0: sure, for sure. You know. We're back. so
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering about that. Your comedy shtick. Yeah, dog. Yep. Where did it come from? Because now that's your thing, man. When I told everybody that I was going to have you on the podcast, the response from probably half of them was immediately, "Yeah, dog." So, <laughs> tell me about it. How did that um, become your your it's, tagline? It's funny.
0: Well, as I had talked about earlier, how um, I did the audition and everything that passed, you got to have um, you got to have a name. You got to have something to, to, to go with, and uh, I decided. Uh, well, I was you know tried this and like I can't remember some of the names I tried, but. It just didn't feel right. But then I just, for some reason, I said, yeah. And I've always had like and place with the uh, D-O-G-G dog on it. And I said, yeah, dog. Mm-hmm. Instead of putting the H on it, said, YEA. Yeah, dog. <laughs> yeah, so a little bit more gospel. Yeah, dog. And uh everyone's like, "Yeah, that sounds pretty that sounds pretty good. It's kind of catchy." So, we just uh we went with it and that's uh it's been been my uh my thing for uh whew. Oh, Oh, okay.
1: Over 10 years now, I guess so. I mean, the guys on the bus, as soon as they get on, Samson, yeah dog. you know what I mean? A, like, yeah. <laughs> it's got to be a sign of respect. Well, it is a sign of
0: respect, and I appreciate it. And a lot of people ask me, well, what does yeah dog mean? Yeah dog means, if you find out that uh, someone's going to get laid tonight, or you just got a little windfall, you know, some money or something. You don't see. You don't just say yeah or okay. That's not. You're like yeah dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so so that's basically how I uh, incorporated with the meeting and yeah
1: dog meeting. Yes, that's awesome. Or, that's great. I like it. So I mean, when when we first got on the bus the one year, I remember you looked back and you saw my buddy Senna. You saw Jonathan racing. Right. Your eyes lit up. Yes. Why did, wh- tell us about that. Why'd that happen? Because I ain't never seen no black
0: brothers playing, playing no hockey. You know, it's <laughs> like, what the hell? Because, you know, I've, I've been driving UNH uh, the colleges and stuff like that and doing the uh, AHL and, you know, I look back then and it's, it's, it's a sea of white, you know, so when you get on there and all, all, all of a sudden two brothers on the front, by- <laughs> yeah, your eyes gonna light up like, oh, yeah, hey, yeah, no,
1: what's <laughs> up? You do know, feel a little love back there, you know? And you, I mean, you're going through the, sh- the safety. Spiel that you have to go through and we're looking at it, and we can tell you're miserable because you don't want to have to read this thing <laughs> like, we know what to do we've all been on buses right right but you got to read the safety spiel, right? And then your eyes lit up, and my and eyes I, definitely lit up. Like, and oh. Senna's and, jo- and Racines did too; they're pumped right away. <laughs> yeah, like, well, they're yeah. pumped because they're up in Maine, you know. They, they're probably
0: expecting the Caucasian driver, you know. Then all of a sudden they get this brother come on there. I see them; they see me. It's like it's the love, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so.
1: Have you have you noticed that though over uh, the last last couple of years though? I mean, it's rare for me now on a team to not have minority teammates you know what I mean and it's becoming more and more common and you know for you when you see that on the bus like what's your impression of that with hockey I, I, I'm, ec- I'm
0: ecstatic I'm I'm like yes awesome you know there's um, brothers who are um, branching out other than the stereotype of just basketball and football so it's awesome to see brothers um, doing something that uh, is um, primarily considered a Caucasian sport so I think it's awesome when I see um, brothers uh, on hockey playing hockey yeah, so
1: awesome. being so being around all the hockey guys, what have you learned about the
0: culture of hockey? Oh well, as far as the game itself, I love it. You know, I have a lot of people ask me um, to compare hockey to baseball or or football. They say all oh, these guys must be rowdy that's crazy. You know, they must just be you know, uncontrollable. And I have to tell them, say, you know, there's some of the most respectful guys that I know. I like get on the motor coach. They, you know, they sit down. They, you know, they're polite. Yes, sir. How are you doing? Um, to the driver and everything. Um, they carry the bags and stuff. Um, I think the culture is, is a wonderful culture. I and I understand it's, it's different than what it used to be. Maybe back in the '60s, '70s, and maybe even the '80s. But today's culture of hockey is just great guys, and they're mainly concentrating on getting uh, getting this shit together. So I love it.
1: You've got to have some wild stories over the years. I mean, you've only been driving hockey guys for a little bit, but you've had some players and some coaches. Can you think of something that happened along the way that still gets you laughing when you think Uh, about it?
0: Oh, yeah. I won't won't name any coaches and stuff, but uh, I will. I guess I could say uh, um – yeah, the, you can talk uh, in generalities affi- if yeah, you the, want uh, to. Affiliate, which was the uh, Coyotes, we had this coach, one my God, he'd go crazy yelling at the guys and stuff like that, telling them, like, sit down and shut up. You didn't win it." Damn game today. I know you ain't got shit to talk about. Talk about why you got It's <laughs> shit like that. No movies. Um, yeah, no movies. <laughs> yeah, no movies. So I'm standing there grabbing the steering wheel, like, holy shit, I'm waiting for him to you, like yelling at me or something. You know, or the guys would come out to the bus maybe 30 seconds later. That's four hundred dollars fine. That's four hundred. I'm like, God damn, four hundred dollars because he's thirty seconds late wow so i mean this coach is something else so yeah i've learned when i get on the bus and it's basically because of this coach that when i get on the bus I don't say anything. I don't say anything to the uh, teams, especially after the games, because this coach was get, get really upset after games and after losing. So I just would sit there and I'd drive the bus. If I was spoken to, I'd speak. If I wasn't spoken to, I know what time for me to speak. So. Hit, the, hit the gas, right? <laughs> that's right. Just hit the fuel and let's go. Let's, just get there as fast as we can. <laughs> you know Without
1: going over 68.
0: <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> the company speed limit is 68 miles an hour. I don't give a damn how fast you want to get there
1: as we can go. (laughs) (laughs) What's your routine to make sure that you're awake while you're driving? Because a lot of times you're driving at night. I mean, early hours in the morning. How do you manage to stay awake, stay, stay, you know, perk on the road like that? Well,
0: if I have the team uh, all day long, uh, one thing I like to do sometimes, I try to get rest in the motor coach, uh, lay down, I'll rest, um, I have my tablet, got movies and stuff on it, uh, I keep 5-Hour Energy close to me, I'll uh, take 5-Hour uh, Energy. Sponsor plug,
1: uh, yeah, see so yeah. if get something out of this for <laughs> <Yeah>. you. <laughs> yeah. I should
0: have said an energy drink, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, oh, but that's all good. <laughs> hey man, if you can get so, something uh, out of this, yeah, you know. exactly, right? So, what's your Twitter uh, handle so we can uh, uh, send us to 5-Hour Energy? Yeah, hey, we'll put that on
1: there. What is so, it actually, Samson um, Yadog?
0: Yeah, dog? Samson, yeah, dog. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. I, I'm not a big Twitter person, so, I mean, people send me stuff on Twitter, and I might eventually see it 20 years after the fact, but, you know, I do go there sometimes. But, yeah, so I do take my five-hour energy. Uh, I like to have my uh, my gum. There's a particular type of gum that I have. Um, not necessarily comes out sleeping, but the gum kind of keeps me going and uh, makes my, um, as a person told me yesterday, makes my brain kind of keep active and going. And it keeps me wide right awake. I can go for hours under those um, two things right there. Just making sure I get a good night's sleep the night before. Exercise, eat properly. I try to eat salads and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't overeat or anything like that. You got to so. look good when you go home. I, I do. Mama won't be too appreciative if I come home and I'm not looking good. So, you know, matter of fact, I got to get to hit the gym. I kind of put on a few pounds. uh, Yeah, but you got good style. Been treated.
1: treated You always have good
0: style. I try to dress nice. You know, you got to represent. You know what I'm saying? You got to represent. You can't come in, you know, being a driver because you know people say driver, but then you know you can't look or act like. The driver, you got to look like you're part of the team. The team is yeah. dressed up in, in suits. You got to come halfway, you know. And I, I've walked in a lot of arenas, and I've been saying, "Are you the coach? Are you assistant coach?" I'm like, "No, this is the driver." They look double-take. Look at you, just a driver. Wow, you know. But you got to represent. You know, you got to own it. Do you feel like you're part of the team? Like, I do. Okay. I do. Um, many years ago, and you, you should. Do, I, you I truly are, believe that. Well, but I, yeah. um, and I to, again give that credit to yourself. Because um, when uh, when you came aboard, you, I had said, "Oh, I'm just the driver." You said, "No, no, 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 no. You're not just the driver. You're part of this team. Matter of fact, you're the most important part of this team. Because without you, we don't get to we don't get to where we need to be, and we don't get there safely if you're not doing your job. So you're the most important part of this team, and that made me feel really good at that time. And I always hold that in the back of my head. I remember that, and that, when I think of that, it makes me feel good to well, know, we, know that we put our trust in you. <laughs>
1: right and and that's you know last year when the the incident in humboldt happened and it mm. seems like this comes up a lot of times with people i talk with but it could have been any of us yeah, you know right. and so we we rely on you guys to yeah, take care of yeah, us yeah. and that's that's what made that so scary and, yeah. and hit home with everybody is mm. because we're on the road so much right you know right. and you never know what can happen that's i mean true. somebody can pull in front of you whatever yeah. and You're a guy, man. You're guiding us through the road. and and that's why I have to be alert. You know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I
0: have to be as as alert as I would be as if it were 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, can't be saying when I'm fatigued, I'm tired. If you're fatigued and tired, you need to let the coaches know that you need to get off the road and rejuvenate. Uh, go to uh, a truck stop and get coffee, whatever you need to do. But uh, I always make sure that I'm prepared to have a little water on the side of me and because uh, I know I have lives in my hand. And everyone's, first of all, just play the game, whatever. Maybe trying to get to another hotel and may not have it on a night. And some of that time while they're on the, on the motor coach is probably most sleep they're going to get really so you know try to make sure you get a smooth and comfortable ride as well
1: going back to your time in the military you were deployed in a lot of different places Mm, yes go through the list where have you been oh my gosh 29 palms california camp pendleton
0: california okinawa japan washington dc um pensacola florida Um, loring air force base um and people say how was that i worked with the air force Um, some jobs, so that's how t- Tdy. Um, and and what is and Tdy?
1: We, let's, let's. Temporary, temporary
0: duty. Yeah, temporary duty. So um, uh, I mentioned Okinawa. Um, oh, Germany, um, Darmstadt, Germany. Uh, so um, yes, I've lived. I've lived all over. I've lived all over the place, and I know if I've, I've forgotten some place, my head's kind of running through, and I'm trying to think. Oh, oh, Monterey, California, Defense Language Institute, Monterey. Um, That was a very good duty. We stayed at uh, uh, old Fort Ord. Uh, They turned that into the housing for people at Monterey, uh, the Defense Language Institute if you had family. Um, uh, Went to um, uh, Tucson for a short bit, Fort Fort Huachuca, uh, Arizona. Uh, I said Tucson, but it's down the street and a little bit closer to the border, Fort Huachuca, Arizona, uh, military. Um, So
1: what what I'm getting at with this is that what you've done parallels what a lot of us do in hockey oh yeah and my wife and i talk about this all the time how our military friends we really look to for comfort for inspiration for Mm -hmm. you know just different things that can help us with this Mm -hmm. and because we've been to a lot of different cities Mm -hmm. and They are somewhat parallel. And what we do doesn't have the same gravity of what the military does. We're very well aware of that. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm playing a game. This Mm -hmm. isn't my livelihood, right? Right, right. Life and death stuff like they have. Mm -hmm. But the deployments, the moving around... I mean, that happens. Like mm. you guys, when you find out you're transferring, you had at least some advanced notice, right? Right. Right. Uh, we're go, to, uh, TDY. You may be given maybe a week's
0: uh, notice. Sometimes it might be, it uh, could be, uh, even longer than that, but TDY, you're giving, uh, giving advanced notice that you're going to be going to a Pacific base, uh, particular base. Um, you know, the duration that you're going to be there, uh, the building is set up for you. You're giving maybe per diem, uh, while you're there, uh, so, yeah, you're given advance notice. Um,
1: but you can yeah. also have to pick up and go at, at drop of a dock. Well, And that's that, kind of that, like what I've done. Right. With,
0: you know, That would be our uh, deployments. When you're right. getting deployed as a Marine, uh, you have to keep a wall locker with, uh, if Now, this is if you're living on base or, or um, in the barracks or if you live... Um, um, in a home with your family off off base, you have a, what you would call maybe a closet, we call a wall locker, and you have a sea bag that has all your gear in it. That gear is ready to go at a moment's no, notice. So everything that you have is uh, is a duplicate. You have everything hanging up that you use day to day, and then you have everything in your duffel, so you, uh, or your sea bag, so you can go at a
1: moment's notice, and that would be your deployment. You've lived all these places. What do you take away from that? Okay, you
0: know what? The first thing I want to say, because one of the places I I was given orders to and I tried to get out of was the Okinawa. And and the reason I was trying to get out of it, because I didn't know anything about the duty there, is because... I was prejudging. I was going by what I had heard other people say negatively about going to Okinawa. I don't want to go live in Japan, Japanese, whatever. And I'm glad that I got those orders, and I'm glad that I went. It was one of the greatest times that I had. I lived off of off, off base around Camp Butler, and I lived uh, behind um, uh, the Navy hospital. It was on Camp Camp uh, Lester, and I lived in the Kui honto Bahisa apartments, a little Japanese there for you. Man, you're, and, you really uh, <laughs> are the coolest guy on earth. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: And uh, so I lived up there, and I had a. There was an older gentleman who was like the matriarch of the family, um, and they had quite a big family. And they rented out the top uh, three layers um, of floors to military. and there's probably about uh, twelve apartments. And, um, anyway, they had an outdoor catwalk. Anyways, they called them Papa-san. Uh, so the older gentleman's a Papa-san, mother's Mama-san, uh, you got baby son. Totally different you know. culture. Exactly. Right. And, um they were the nicest people the Japanese were nice uh, very cordial yeah there's time you go shopping in their stores you know they're kind of aggressive and stuff like that you just have to learn their culture but you know to sit back and say all right, I want to go because of um, it was a good experience and I took away with that even though I lived in Germany and Germany always taught, taught me uh, taught me well and I had been there as a young kid in school but learning about Japanese, is just that no matter where you go, you immerse yourself in the culture and understand the culture and don't bring your culture and try to think, oh, I'm an American, blah, 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 blah. Uh, um, you're going somewhere and just immerse yourself into that region where, being in the United States, wherever you go in the world and you enjoy your tour much better than just doesn't that
1: help people grow as a person? It does. Seeing it does. the world, seeing different cultures, yeah. expand your view of what other people exactly. have been through, and
0: and then that way you can immerse yourself into that culture and you can enjoy your surroundings. Because I'll never ever go back to Okinawa again, but it was such a
1: beautiful country, country and I enjoyed it so much. You had some so. fun overseas, right? Oh, I've had. Oh, where, I've had where did where'd you really enjoy? I mean, I, you probably. I bet you're knowing you. Mm-hmm. You probably had fun everywhere you were.
0: I've had. Oh I mean, yes, I've you're a had had fun fun-loving everywhere. guy. But, but
1: really, it, like thinking about this Germany that was it Germany's my bit what about Germany what did it for you everything the women
0: (laughs) the women the culture um, the history I've been uh, deep uh, dwelled deep into um, what happened in the 1920s 30s and 40s if I may allude to um, when I was in uh, junior high school in Germany, I went to the high school building and I was running around like a little stupid kid and I had a teacher grab me and he was a history teacher and he asked me, why are you here? And I was like, what do you mean, why am I here? Why are you here in Germany? Because like, we were stationed here. We got we orders to come here. He says, okay, but so why are Americans here? I, like, I don't know. He says, okay, but I'm going to tell you what. I want you to find out. And I'm looking at it like it's crazy. And uh, Department of Defense schools, which are called DOD schools, at least back in the 70s, 80s, and even before that, were considered some of the hardest schools in in America. So they didn't play around. So he told me he was going to call my um, history teacher up in the junior high school and let him know that he had given me an assignment. And the assignment was 300 pages, no doubt. How old were you? I was 13 300 pages um, explaining why Americans were in Germany and I didn't even know where to begin and uh, I had six months to do it at least he gave me a leeway gave me six months to do it and I learned so much from writing that paper Learn about because uh, I didn't I didn't know nothing about the Holocaust. I knew nothing about that. Now this is goes to show you how stupid and naive some young kids can be. We're in a country that all this type of stuff happened, and you have no clue that this is where you're at and why you're over there. And so it opened my eyes to what went on. Um, also that year, uh, after doing that report and getting that done the second half of the year in um to junior high school in Kaiserslautern, I was with M- in miss Espinosa's um class and we had a cl- um, a trip to Dachau uh, concentration camp and I got a chance to go to Dachau and we also had a gentleman who worked for um for i want to say a um for stars and stripes, and he brought a slideshow of tons of photos that he took when he um, helped liberate um, Dachau So, uh, it's
1: heavy yes, stuff,
0: man. Very heavy stuff. So, yeah. opened my eyes as, as a young kid, and but I just love the country. I think it's because they persevered so much. Um, I don't know why. I just love that country. I, I really like the German women, though, too. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: yeah, the guys, yeah. get, the guys get up to anything wild on on the uh, on the base or off the base that you can share. Um. You must have stories. For yes, all days, man. Like, oh, I do. This only, I, I mean, you. I,
0: we sit in class, and I, because I, I don't want to get too graphic, but I, I remember <laughs> so we had uh, Gate Two Street. Uh, excuse me, that's in Okinawa. So, um, well, um, this is Einziedelhof uh Strasse, and I'm trying to think of what. It was, I see the Hosted and it's outside the window of one of my classes, and you can see, well, anyways, in Germany, prostitution is legal, and you see these old ladies, when I say old, you know, I'm young, in my my teens, but these (laughs) ladies look like they were 60. Some of them could be in the 60s, some of them in the 50s, but, I mean, they were rough looking, (laughs) and you see the car (laughs) stop, pick them up, maybe an hour later, come back, drop them off, and but that, that was just that was just the field it was so funny so but sex was really really big over there so you <laughs> it's a popular you, thing is yeah yeah <laughs> so but but it's out in the open it's nothing like what we, you know what you know you have to go somewhere dark to find prostitutes in america over there it's just it's just right out there like now it's, prostitution is completely legal you know but back then it was it's just funny and you know so you as a young kid you know, I mean, just sex is just so much of abundance to you and alcohol to you. I mean, you could drink it at basically any age over there. So, you know, you had to watch yourself to make sure you didn't get caught on base. But I had a friend named Heiko uh, who lived off base um, in Vogelway Housing, lived up in Vogelway Housing in Kaiserslautern. And, um uh, he would just go to his house and he used to uh, give us alcohol and stuff. So yeah, I had a had a lot of fun. We did, we did a lot of things.
1: I, if my I brother mean, did anybody do anybody do anything you know stupid during boot camp or anything like that that the guys still talk about today?
0: I, there's one, only one stupid guy that I can think of that did something stupid in boot camp, <laughs> and it is the first week we because one week you wait to get picked up, so you're kind of in limbo. And you finally get picked up with your platoon, and we went up to our platoon, I was in 2nd Battalion, 26, 2067, it was my platoon number, 2067, and um, this young white kid, kind of tall and lanky, was standing on line, and he thought, and this is the first week of boot camp, which is 13 weeks long, he thought that first week he would go ahead and fall straight on his face. He just stood online because he didn't want to be in, in boot camp. This is a mistake he made. Well, if I fall straight forward, I can go home. Well, needless to say... This sounds like a terrible plan. It was a, it, it was <laughs> definitely a terrible <laughs> plan. I can't remember when we had the march that we went by. I think they go to chapel or wherever. And we marked past this. It was called the... Um, it was the casualty platoon, and the casualty means you're dead. <laughs> yeah, it was right. a casualty <laughs> yeah. platoon, yeah. and he'd be out there raking or whatever. And when we got ready to graduate, he was still there. So we finally got to ask, him, got a chance to ask our senior drill Dr. why he was still there. They said they don't go home probably until six months after that platoon has graduated. They don't just send them right home. So this
1: guy actually did fall. Like, oh yeah, through, he like, fell. Straight like, on like,
0: his I mean, like, like fell like an oak tree right on. His oh face. yeah, oh yeah, fell straight on his face. He said, he said, I'm not gonna be. Here no more, and we got online, and we didn't know what he meant by that. And he just fell straight on his face. They called ambulance and everything, and we thought he was gone. And as then, as the weeks would go by, we see him, and we learned what that platoon was, what that building was. And you know, I was like, oh, he ain't going nowhere. And we found out he probably didn't go home six months after we, I mean, did we you graduated got- Were you trying not to laugh when it happened? Well, you don't... you you can't laugh, right? We we conversed later on. We got all kind of... What the fuck was he thinking? (laughs) Did you see? Because, I mean, it just busted his goddamn face face. up. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, he's fucking stupid. You know what I'm saying? And someone was like pondering, man can you get out of here that way <laughs> and you guys know, we saw shit man don't think about that bullshit man <laughs> that's that bullshit right there Your ass should have went through this bullshit and you would have been out of here earlier did this turn into a comedy bit later for you uh, I haven't used that one I haven't no. used a lot of boot camp comedy stuff you know because I and, and I don't like it that they show um, Marine Corps boot camp on TV because I think because I never had that and I want that to be who if someone ever goes in I want to be that their experience because if someone, someone tells you about it and gets you Ready for it and prepared for it, then it's not you, you know, you kind of know what to prepare for, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't like that show either that they show all that the DI's yelling in your because now when you go to boot camp,
1: you're already prepared for it, you're a little desensitized to what exactly may happen you already there, know right? what's yeah. going
0: on, you know, even though you're like, oh shit, this is kind of hard. No, it ain't, no, you already knew what's coming, you already knew what to expect,
1: you know, I didn't. I had no clue. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah was, so was it kind of a rude awakening for you?
0: Well, let me just tell you. Yeah, I was. I mean, how'd
1: you choose the Marines? Did it choose you? Well,
0: let me. Uh, no, I choose. I chose the Marine Corps. Let me just tell you what a stupid thing I was. At. I went to college, and I left college. um... Well, Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State. Yeah. Um. Well, and I, and I went to the Marine Corps recruiter. Well, matter of fact, I was. Now I'll tell you how it happened. I. I was ROTC, and I decided I didn't want to get enlisted. Long story. I'm mean, not good then going OCS, uh, get my commission in ROTC. In, in ROTC. Anyways, I went down and I talked to was going to go talk to the Air Force recruiter. He wasn't in. As I you know, when I was in Germany in high school, in Germany part of uh, junior high and high school, I was in Air Force ROTC. So I said, you know, I can go in the Air Force. So I went to his door. He wasn't in. Marine Corps was in. And they're he came in. same sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. He came right. in. He came out. He said, come on. You don't want to go in the Air Force. Come on. I tell you what, you can sit here, and when he gets back, you can go talk to him. He talked to me. This is to say, uh, I think that was on a Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday, I was at MEPS um, taking my test. I believe Thursday, I was at Parasol standing on the footprints. Cool. That's how I fixed it. I, and I had to turn around and say, What the fuck did he just do to me? (laughs) I just got fucked hard. I didn't even get a chance to give him a reach around. He fucked me so hard. That was a quickie. And that's what he did to me. So so this is what I fucked up, though. So I'm proud. And he didn't prepare me for nothing. Because he's supposed to prepare you and tell you about at least going to receiving. He didn't prepare me for shit. I went proud. I had, like I said, I was an Air, uh, Army RTC and I was a, a, a cadet ranger, and that photo is also on my Facebook. I had a sweatshirt that said, Army Rangers Lead the Way, and had a cross arm of uh, rifles. I get to boot camp. And I'm standing in there. Uh, We got off the the bus, off the yellow footprints, and we go into the building. And I'm standing there proud as a motherfucker. Got my chest stuck out. I'm already in shape. Yeah, dog. I'll never forget this big tall brother came up to me, and he let me have it. He started screaming and hollering at me. Because of the shirt? Because he called all the other DIs over. Look at this son of a bitch! He comes in here with an army train on you Oh my god! And I thought with my brother being a, a drill sergeant in the army, me being the an ROTC, all that stuff, I was prepared for this stuff. I wasn't prepared prepare for that night. I mean, I'll never forget that, that. And it puts such goosebumps and shit up your spine. Those are feelings that I would. Hate to ever take away from somebody because that was an experience I never expected. Change, I never expected your life, right? And did yeah. it did and so that was that was one of the and I had others. I've had others. I had um, my uh, bunk mate when when we finally this is in receiving. So this is the week we do before you get your platoon. We finally get our platoon, and my bunk mate decided and they said dump your sea bags because all our stuff is in the sea bag we get doing receiving, and he dumped his shit on top of mine he was a smaller guy than I so I had his little tidy whities and shit oh yeah it was str- oh my god so I, yeah I got a lot of good stories yeah So what so would you do about. in retribution for this guy I, there, there was no retribution because there's so much shit going on you know well I, I guess hey he had to suffer he's got bigger shorts bigger drawers on than what he's supposed to have so so we both suffered you know his shit's probably sloshing all over the place mine's just real tight <laughs> and they were tight they were they were some uh, skivvy shorts but they were tight they were tight so yeah in chrome dome we had chrome domes yeah those good memories good memories yeah yeah scuds brushes up and down the squad bay anyone who's listening to this knows what i'm talking about Um uh, quarter deck um exercising
1: on the quarter deck oh yeah i mean so, all these experiences in yeah. life had to make going into comedy pretty easy with all the material is. you it, must it, have it like does. when you step up on stage how do you lead off because we were dying to see you in action. We never got oh, the chance yeah, you, to sure we like first, do it. You sure did. Everybody's when got I first to have their up, way to do it.
0: When I first come up, I'm,
1: I'm always, you
0: know... And uh, you know I said like, how are you motherfuckers doing tonight? You know, if you I got some pretty women, I said oh, I got some fine ass women up in here tonight. Yeah, ooh, look at you. damn girl, titties hanging out. I mean, you don't mind if I come down and suck on a little of that shit, girl? Yeah, shit. Oh, that's your man right there. All right, well, shit. Okay, uh, you sucking his dick, all right? Because if you ain't, I got a dick you can try on. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like that. And that's right you off know? the bat. That's right off the bat. Oh, I'm so you him. hook them? Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. You know because you want to, you gotta warm them up before you start going into your shit and. And it depends on where I'm at, like um, living in Maine. When I first came up to Maine, I would fuck with people who lived in like uh, uh, Penobscot County and Rooster County. And I was like, fuck, you know, I went to the fair the other day and I'm walking around the fair and this bitch had on shorts. She had fucking hair all over her fucking leg. Shit, I'm thinking, she got hair on this leg and that leg, I can just imagine what that motherfucker Cuckoo <laughs> looked like. I'm like, goddamn, over there she go, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, he must like it though, he must be swimming in all that hair. she got three kids, shit, you know what I'm saying? I mean, just shit like that, I mean, you know, so... See, some people are like, that's folk, though. Well, shit. I, it's uh, comedy. Yeah. I mean, this and, is. Yeah, go down the street, get a motherfucking Walmart, get a motherfucking razor, clean that shit up a little bit. So, I mean, that's. Isn't it,
1: your, isn't it your job to really poke fun at it the is. absurdity of life it, with it, right? It, it is.
0: It is. Like, you know what the scary thing is now, though? There's a lot of things that, luckily, hasn't um, come back to haunt me, but it's come back to haunt a lot of people like Kevin Hart and some others. Uh, just, they were talking about um, gays and lesbians, and, you know, 10 years ago, people are coming back and saying, uh, oh my God, you know, you're homophobic because you know, we've made jokes. Yeah. Jokes were jokes. You know, people laugh. That's what they came to the comedy club for. Um you know, you got to laugh at yourself. If you can't laugh... You know, I've gained weight over the years. Yes, I, I was a very, uh, very handsome man with my hair. Samson, um, you're still beautiful. Uh, well, thank you very much. You I are. appreciate that. You're a beautiful you know? man. But I ain't got the curls like I used to. You know, the girl used to like to run their fingers to my head. You know what I'm mean? saying? So, but I, I don't have that like I used to. But, uh, you know, it's like... Uh, you know, people are just... I don't know what it... People are just so bent on talking and getting mad about jokes has it hurt the comedy game yeah it has because yeah. comedy comics don't want to get up and talk and, and who's going to get offended yeah. who's going to be offended next you know I, you, uh, you can't talk about people being you know short foot a one foot shorter you know, it's a joke you know we're not saying that we hate people or being mean to people it's a joke you're at a comedy club we're making jokes And, you know, this country was made and built on on the backbone of jokes. Look at where Richard Pryor came. You know, he he brought a lot of us out out of where we were, excuse me, because of jokes. You got to laugh. You got to be able to laugh at yourself. You know, there's a lot of things going on in America that are killing and hurting people as far as their minds and their heart. But, you know, we can get through it if we can just laugh just get a laugh.
1: Did Richard Pryor, was he really the first one you thought that kind of crossed over into mainstream? (laughs) He like did because Blake you know from, we had
0: Red Fox. We had a lot of other great comedians. Don't get me wrong, but Richard Pryor just didn't give a fuck. And
1: he knocked the door yeah, down. Yeah, he, right? he didn't. Right. You
0: know, you, if you go back and look at a lot of old Richard Pryor stuff, he had a lot of white people at his shows. He didn't, he didn't give a fuck. He did not change his comedy because you were white in, in the audience. Now Red Fox people love Red Fox, but we wouldn't find a lot of Caucasian at his, uh, yes. uh, his shows. And he didn't have he didn't have the draw like Richard. Richard Pryor had, you know. Richard Pryor would have arenas, uh, you know, or theaters full. Red Fox, would might have a night, like a little nightclub, you know, doing something like Don Rickles or something like that. Nothing huge. So yeah, he knocked the he knocked the socks off of it. For Do you sure. feel
1: like everybody can appreciate comedy across the board now? Yeah, of course. Because like, you man, can. my yeah. age, like, we grew up and there was. I remember the original Kings of Comedy, right? Right. right. So remember who was in that: Bernie Mac yeah. and Cedric the Entertainer and those guys. Right. All my friends, we all love this stuff. Right. Right. Now. Was it appropriate for us to love that stuff? I mean, we thought so, you know. Yeah. But like, there's this social consciousness now of is this appropriate for us to laugh about because maybe we don't know the culture people think. Right. And it's like, and you look back, it's like, man, they're jokes, exactly, right? Like, and that's just so—it's okay. just
0: comedy. It's just right. You know, you can't be too serious about stuff and about life that you can't sit back and just joke. Okay, I'm gay. All right, so you're gay. You like you. Laugh. Yeah. You know, black people went through a lot of bullshit too. We understand. But we not we don't we don't to the point where oh my god you made a joke about us. You know, maybe there might be stipulations by using the N word. But other than that, sure. if you if you got a joke and it's a funny black joke, I wanna hear it. Yeah. maybe I might get appreciation <laughs> out of it. You know what I'm saying? But you can't be told, so bent and say, Well, I'm gay or I'm this. And I'm not just trying to uh, pick on gays or lesbians or anything. I'm just using them as an example. But you can't be so bent and say, oh, my God, he told that kind of joke. That wasn't funny. Okay, you didn't find it funny, but other people are funny. Well, they're laughing at us. No, they're not. They're laughing with you. They're understanding the heartbreak and the pain that you've gone through to get to where you're at. So don't don't knock somebody because they someone made awareness of your struggle Okay, because that's what they're doing. Whenever someone's making a joke, sometimes they're making the awareness of your juggle, or struggle, whatever you're going through. So understand that and go with it. If you don't like it, leave the club. But don't try to ruin somebody's career because you didn't like the joke or you didn't get the joke.
1: You know. I mean, I, I look at you too, and I think about how there's one thing that's always stood out to me. You're a Mason. Y- yes, right? I am. Thank like, you. there's that's not historically. Many black people that are masons, right? Well, there are there are. Are, Am I mistaken in that? There are because I'd I'd, like. please clarify me if I'm wrong. There
0: are tons of black masons in the United States. Now, where I'm at, because I live in Maine, there's not a lot of black masons. That's what and St. Louis. That's right. So, but you can go to different parts of DC. um, maybe some parts of St. Louis that you're not aware of sure, that yeah. there are um uh, temples uh, excuse me lodges I'm thinking because I'm also a shriner masonic uh, uh, lodges so is that my father have, my um, father-in-law is a shriner and Mason okay, too okay, like, yeah, you guys would you be go. peas Furry and carrots yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, but yeah there are um, and you can go on YouTube and you find find um, Black shrine. there's also um, Black Shriners I, I happened to see some of their um, sites on there and looked at them um, so yeah there. my father was also in Mason in Detroit so there's also there's a lot of, like...
1: Uh, I just, like, I feel like sitting down with you over the years, I've learned so much. Mm-hmm. And, like, here's another thing that just, right. I didn't know. And mm-hmm. you don't have the, you don't learn these things without conversation right, with people. Right, right. And that's, like, the, been the benefit of myself going everywhere and meeting people and just trying to be outgoing and learn people's stories. Mm-hmm. Because think about that. Like, the relationship we have, right, we've yeah. learned. Yeah, exactly, over the years. I mean, exactly. I know these crazy stories of yours from Germany and other places, right. but like that that helps bring us all yeah. forward you know right?
0: and that's the sad thing another sad thing about America right now people aren't trying to understand other people's story everyone has a story everybody you know your story may be more struggle what have you but everyone if you are getting if you get older if you're fucking 15 years old you have a story Whatever you did when you were a little kid, or whatever, and people just need to understand everyone has a story. And if you sit down and understand, and listen to each other's story, you find a common ground in one another. When you're listening that story, it's like, wow, I went through that. Oh, you did that. Oh, I was there. blah blah blah. You never know. You know,
1: we have a lot more in
0: common than we do different. We, we do, we do. We all live in the same melting pot. Yep. You know what I'm saying? We just try to divide ourselves when we need to bringing ourselves together to understand that, Like I said, we're all together. We're all trying to make that same suit, uh, a pot of soup. We all try to make it, you know what I'm saying? You might be a carrot, I might be a, a, toba- a tomato, uh, he might be a potato, what have you. We're all trying to make that pot of soup. You can't have a big old bo- a, uh, bowl of soup without different mixtures. If you have only one mix in there, it's not gonna be a bowl of soup. Doesn't taste good. You know, no. It doesn't taste good. No.
1: It's just gonna seem <laughs> some some regular old wet soup. <laughs> well, well, Samson, so. your knowledge, your friendship, uh-huh. man, it's meant a ton to me over the last couple of years. I'm so glad we got to reconnect and do I, this. And I am too. I um, mean, I'm. What's the future for you?
0: I don't. You know, I don't know. Uh, I bought a camper. Um, I've really been thinking about going a full time RV and uh, just hooking up that camper just going out and seeing America with my wife and uh, I don't I, I, I know I would keep the home but I just think I would love to live in the camper and just just you know rough it for a while I, mean, I think that would be fun so that's that's my kind of my next adventure I
1: think gotta make it do what it do you gotta make it do what it do, <laughs> it do, what it do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah mine
0: has been a pleasure man awesome thank you so much thank you Sam thanks you you for having me alright <laughs>